Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. What's up, Montana? ESPN Radio, Nuanas Now. It's a little delayed there. Hope you're having a great week so far. Happy Thursday. We're happy to be here with you. Ton of stuff to get to today. Talk our way all the way around the world of sports in Montana. Going to talk some track and field, of course. We are the NCAA Outdoor Championships rolling on in Eugene, Oregon. Tracktown, USA. And uh, I've been covering the Big Sky Conference now for 16 years. And I've never seen a program here from the state of Montana with the type of success they're having on the national stage. We've seen athletes. We've seen individual athletes. For the Grizz, Lindsey Hall and Erica McLeod come to mind first and foremost. 
couple in-state products who were uh, multi-athletes for the Grizzlies. And, you know, guys like Patrick Casey, Christian Serrato, some of the great distance runners from Montana State. But to have guys that are truly gunning for national championships and to have multiple of those guys on the same team, it's impressive. Yesterday, Duncan Hamilton, he blew the field away at the NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships in the men's steeplechase. He set his PR by more than three seconds. He ran the fastest collegiate time in the United States of America. So we'll talk some outdoor track and field, but also about the opportunities in the sport for athletes from around the state of Montana. All sorts of them. 31 by my count, and I've been keeping track, are heading to the Division I ranks this upcoming year. And another two dozen are already in the Division I ranks as well. So we'll talk our way around the track and field world of the state of Montana. We also will hear from Justin Angle. Usually he joins us on uh, every other Tuesday, a business angle, the overlay between business and sports. And today, though, he joins us because we had a little delay on Tuesday. So he will be here, and we're going to talk the Broncos' unbelievable ticket price, the marketing elements track and field can bring to a university, And, of course, we're going to talk some live golf tour as well. Plus, of course, we're going to talk some NFL. We also have now a cap on the Gatorade Players of the Year for the state of Montana with the announcement of the softball Gatorade Player of the Year. So we'll talk some prep sports. Top of the hour, our Senior Spotlight Series continues. Ian Finch, Missoula Hellgate. He's head of the Grizzlies to play football. Uh, He was also an outstanding basketball player. And just a good dude. Met him for the first time actually earlier this week. Uh, Just kind of randomly, I was down at Warden's Market uh, doing some work, doing some sales. And uh, Ian was there with Hellgate assistant football coach and former Grizz great Brian Salonen. So got to see those guys, catch up with those guys. And I was like, man, Ian, I'm doing this senior spotlight, and uh, you're one of my guys on my list. So since you're right here right in front of me, I'll just invite you right now. And he's like, sure, sounds good. So he'll be here about 5 o'clock. I look forward to catching up with him. And then we're also going to keep on talking NFL. I know that uh, the season seems like it's a ways away, but it's actually not that far away. Plus, it's summertime. That's what we do. We talk about NFL, NBA, the NBA Finals last night. We'll talk about Game 3, the Celtics, dare I say, a commanding lead with an impressive and lopsided 116-100 to victory. The Warriors didn't play well. Draymond Green was in foul trouble for the duration of the action. Steph Curry... Might have got hurt. Who knows if he's going to be back to full health anytime soon. Clay Thompson has not looked at full health in quite some time. And uh, Boston continues to have that swagger, have that upper hand. And a 2-1 lead for the Celtics. So we'll talk some NBA finals as well. That's your show, Outlook, presented by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team. Nuanas Now, you can always stream on our station website, 1029ESPN.com, or you can always download the ESPN Montana app. Great way to follow along, listen to this show live and archived. Also a great way for you to follow along with Grizz Hockey in the fall. They're going to be back in September, so that'll be a great uh, option for you. We got the video stream going now to accompany the radio play-by-play, and we'll have the same sort of quality broadcast for the uh, Grizz Lacrosse team as well. So go get that ESPN Montana app. And if you want to be a part of the conversation, questions, comments, concerns, commentary, whatever, 406-888-1029. That's 888 888- 1029. All guests will join us via the Rangage Brothers RV phone line. And of course, we are coming to you through the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport, new to Missoula, new to Montana, corner of Stevens and Mount. 
You can also find them online at nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. Let's dive into a little River City Runners. I was down there at Zootown Sports Cards, got my first taste of the new shop there for Zootown Sports Cards down there earlier today. And uh, we were uh, just checking it out and also talking just about the card industry in general. And Justin Angle and I talk a little bit about it uh, in the business angle coming up here in about, oh, 15 minutes. But they have a great new location, really cool, awesome new space there in the Stevens Center, 2100 Stevens Avenue. Then they're at Suite 102. They have proudly presented River City Runners, and they've had a fun time following along with a guy who has been the number one subject of the segment, Duncan Hamilton from Montana State. Eight minutes, 23.19 seconds, his time yesterday in the steeplechase. He was less than two seconds off the fastest qualifying time ever at the NCAA Outdoor Championships in the meet, uh, in that specific meet. And he takes the number one seed into the final, so he is already an All-American. Well, how about this? Not only is Duncan Hamilton the the top contender, the number one uh, qualifying time in the finals, but Levi Taylor also a guaranteed All-American, the Laurel product, who's a sophomore there at Montana State. He's into the finals as well, so he'll be an All-American. So you got two dudes in the top eight in the United States in the steeplechase. Pretty cool. But then they're also joined by Drake Schneider, who is a uh, senior from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and a guy that has continued to rapidly improve until now. Here he is running 49.08 seconds in the 400-meter hurdles to catapult himself into the finals of that event, and uh, he earns All-American honors as well. Colby Wilson, the fourth and final Bobcat at the national meet, he got 20th in the pole vault He's an honorable mention All-American. Lucy Corbett, the only woman from the MSU track team to make it uh, to the NCAA Outdoor Championships. She will high jump on Saturday. That in itself is so impressive. And by the way, if you're watching on TV and or the app, you see me fidgeting with some cards in my hand. So I want to do this quickly before we uh, we get rolling into this uh, this thought I had. River City Runners is presented by Zootown Sports Cards. And uh, the new hot thing is these... These Topps Chrome soccer cards, football cards. And so I'm opening these. I have no idea who these guys are. Andrew Will, we're having a little uh, issue with the uh, the connection on the dialogue, so that's why I'm not wearing my headphones if you're uh, watching along at home. But we will analyze these guys, but if you, you can't see it, here is the, uh, the Top Chrome. Pretty handsome-looking cards. And if you're into soccer, pretty cool. We got a lot of soccer stuff coming up for you. Go subscribe to Andrew's Soccer in Snow and Smoke podcast and stay tuned for the Footy 15, an excerpt from that podcast uh, every other week or, you know, a couple times a month, let's say, here uh, on Nuanas Now. So the fact is that you're talking about these five athletes from MSU that are um, in Tracktown, USA, in Eugene, Oregon, at the national meet. And you're talking about several of these athletes hailing from the state of Montana. Duncan Hamilton's from Bozeman. Lucy Corbett graduated high school in Bozeman. And Levi Taylor from a Class A school in Laurel. So you're talking about some of the best athletes in the country in their respective events in track and field hailing from the state of Montana. Very cool. This got me thinking, though, that there's such a tough barrier for entry for athletes that come out of the state of Montana. Because in team sports, so much of your evaluation, even if you're an extremely talented player, 
is based on how are you performing around the competition around you. And that's why we see sometimes the only basketball players, boys or girls, that really get recruited outside of the state's borders are ones that play on traveling club teams that play regionally and or nationally and go to national tournaments, get seen by national scouts, and that's how they, they make their way outside of the state's borders. But so often, like in football, if you don't go to the camps on campus, you're not going to get recruited at an incredibly high level. And I've been saying this since you know five or six summers ago of Troy Anderson, who went on to become an all-time great at Montana State. If he goes to a camp anywhere, Boise State, Oregon State, somewhere when he's a junior in high school, man, He's he's almost certainly going to Pac-12. And, uh, I mean, we've seen it across the board. Like Jesse Sims, the late Jesse Sims, he did go to camps when he was growing up in the Bitterroot Valley, and he came home with some offers from schools like Nebraska and Oregon State. So you can get it, but it's so hard to prove yourself. It's so hard to, to verify and validate your talents based on the level of competition you're competing against. That's why track and field is so compelling. Because you are racing against other athletes and other competitors. You're also racing against the clock, and you're also racing against yourself. So you can validate yourself on a national, regional, statewide, whatever level. Your time is your time is your time. Your mark is your mark is your mark. And that got me thinking about the factory that Montana has become for track and field athletes. Now, I know that there's... There's way more disciplines and events than almost any other sports. That's more opportunities. You're also talking about equal opportunities for males and females. You're also talking about a sport where the vast majority of D1 athletes aren't on full rides or at least aren't getting offered full rides out of high school. There's a lot more uh, harmony between the athletic scholarships and the academic scholarships that a lot of track and field athletes get. That said, though, we have uh, so many athletes from the state of Montana that either are Division One already, have been Division One in the past, or are about to be Division One this upcoming uh, academic school year. So we'll rip through these really quick. This is just an update on where so many of these young people from Montana we've been talking about, where they're going. Loyola's Ridger Palma, an outstanding sprinter there for the Rams. He's going to Grand Canyon University. Dylan Straight Anderson, who won basically every event he competed in at the Class A state meet, he's going to BYU. Hellgate's Kenzie May, who is the cross-country Gatorade Runner of the Year. She is going to Syracuse to join her former Knight teammate, Sage Brooks. Helena High's Odessa Zentz is going to Northern Arizona. Her high school teammate, Kylie Hartnett, is going to Utah. Her other high school teammate, Carly Ryan, just flipped earlier this week, committed to Montana, is now going to Montana State, but three Division I runners for the uh, Helena High Bengals. That's how you go and tie an all-class uh, record for team points in a state meet, 144 of them last year, or last, excuse me, last month for the uh, Helena High girls. Chase Green from Missoula Sentinels going to Utah State. Gabby Haskamp of Missoula Big Skies going to Northern Arizona. Coulter Kirkland, the great distance runner from down in Hamilton. He's going to Navy. Hannah Shonoff, who's the outstanding high jumper for the Bozeman Hawks. She's going to Elon out there in North Carolina. Carter Bentz of Livingston. He's on his way to Lehigh. Autumn Bergen of Culbertson is going to UND. So is Tegan Taylor of Fairview. That makes sense because Culbertson and Fairview are basically in North Dakota. <laughs> They're nowhere close to any of the schools in the rest of Montana, any of the colleges in the rest of Montana. And then Emma Stolte of Townsend, she's headed to Portland State. The in-state recruits for track and field in Montana are as follows. Outstanding big timber athlete Alyssa Beauchart, who joined us 
on our senior spotlight a couple weeks ago. I guess it was last week. She's headed to Montana State. So is Jaden Wolf, the new all-class record holder in the 100 and 200 meters. Haley Coey of Billings West as well going to the Bobcats. Carly Ryan, who flipped from Montana to Montana State out of Helena. Malachi Simpson, who flipped from North Dakota State to Billings Senior. Or excuse me, from North Dakota State to Montana State. He's out of Billings Senior. Uh, he's headed to the Bobcats. Jacob Webbinger of Laurel heading to MSU, as is Gallatin's Garrett Coley. Genevieve Lynch of Bozeman High. Helena's Sydney Matfelt. And Belt's Lindsey Paulson. The Grizzlies signed Brooke Stainer of Missoula Sentinel who basically was the the catalyst to Sentinel State Championship in 2021, uh, an outstanding state meet for Brooke Stainer then. She had a couple point scores this state meet, but uh, her peak certainly her junior season, but she's an outstanding get for the Montana Grizzlies, as is Ainsley Shipman of Dillon, who was probably the best individual athlete at the Class A state meet out of Beaverhead County High School. She's also going to Grizzlies. Hamilton's been incredibly good in track and field, cross-country, uh, on the boys' side the last couple years because of that that trio, um, including Lane Cole, who's also headed to the Grizzlies. Seeley Swans, Walker McDonald, who set a Class C record in the discus. He's headed to Montana. Butte Central's Riley McGree, Glasgow's Irish McKeon, Jefferson's Wade Reichel, and Colin Shaw's of Sentinel also headed to the Montana Grizz track team. That's all to say, and I'm not even going to bore you with continuing to list these off, but I mean, you talk about the top-notch athletes that came out of Montana the last couple years. Lauren Hagan from Sentinel's at Washington. Ashley McElmurray is an all-Big Ten jumper at Nebraska. Noah Borchard placed in multiple events in the Pac-12 out of Huntley Project at Colorado. And you go on down the list. Daniel Aragon, who's out of Billings Senior, she is running in this national championship meet. That's all to say... It's already happening. Track and field is already becoming one of the great exports from the state of Montana. I think that the times are the times, and the fact that the times are accessible, it's helping these kids get their marks out. It's helping them get recruited. And you wonder if Duncan Hamilton is just sort of the first wave. Levi Taylor, these guys, Lucy Corbett, these kids that go to high school in Montana, go in-state or out-of-state, whatever, and develop into all-American caliber athletes. It's really, really cool, and we're going to keep talking about it because I do think that it has the least barrier of entry for almost any sport uh, for high school kids trying to make it to the Division One level. If I missed anybody, call us or text us and tell me. I didn't want to rattle through too many names too monotonously, but that, by my count, those are most of the names out there. But if you have any addition to this conversation, 406-888-1029, call it or text us. Let us know what you think about track and field in the state of Montana and if there's any of the great athletes out there that maybe we have not talked about or not talked about enough. River City Runners, Zootown Sports Cards, 2100 Stevens Avenue, Suite 102. Go check out the new shop. Justin Angle, a business angle. Talking track and field, live tour, NFL scandal, and more. It's a business angle, the overlay between business and sports. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. If you're ever injured in an accident and you're worried about if a lawyer is going to cost you too much money, the advocates, they will provide help for you. No out-of-pocket costs until your case is settled. You pass the stress of your accident off to the advocates. That helps you focus on getting better. To find out how the advocates can help you, you can call them free of charge, 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. A trio from the Montana State men's track team is into the NCAA National Finals in Tracktown, USA. Hello, I'm Andrew Houghton. 
Montana State qualified a program record five athletes for the NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships in Eugene, Oregon this weekend. On Wednesday, Duncan Hamilton, Levi Taylor, and Drake Schneider all punched tickets to the finals in their respective events, earning All-American honors in the process. Hamilton, a junior who is in his sixth total national championship meet, blazed through the men's 3,000-meter steeplechase semifinal, winning his heat in a near-record qualifying time of 8 minutes, 23.19 seconds. That time was not only one of the fastest qualifying times in the event's history in the top time in the field of 16 runners, but also served as the 27th fastest time on the planet this year. The Bozeman High School product took fifth in the event last year as a sophomore. Taylor, a sophomore from Laurel, also guaranteed himself All-American honors by earning the seventh best qualifying time in eight minutes, 30.2 seconds to earn a spot in the finals. Schneider broke his Montana State record in the 400-meter hurdles for the fourth time in three meets, running a personal best 49.08 seconds. The mark was the second best in the field heading to the finals. Colby Wilson, the fourth MSU athlete in the national championship field, earned honorable mention All-American honors by finishing 20th in the pole vault. Lucy Corbett, a Bozeman High product and five-time Big Sky Conference champion, competes in the women's high jump on Saturday. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Canyon River Golf Club of East Missoula. Just imagine being able to write a song like this, or like the run of albums that Stevie Wonder had at this exact moment in time. Unbelievable. Humans are amazing. They're so talented. Welcome back. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. We like to talk about a lot of those phenomenally talented humans, particularly those either from the state of Montana or competing in the state of Montana or for the state of Montana. Thanks for tuning in. We come to you each weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. We always come to you through the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport, new to Montana. You can also find the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. If, you, if you're not familiar with this, they have so many trucks, and they're available all over the West. They, they have lots and dealerships and, and inventory everywhere. That's why you got to go online, nwmsrocks.com. You can check out that inventory and then if you like a truck that's, say, in Seattle or Marysville or Linwood or Spokane, they'll get it here for you. Or you can go get it, whatever you want. But go check out that huge inventory of trucks, nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. I want to come back to a recent tweet from Sam Herter, a great friend of this show, the uh, senior FCS analyst for Hero Sports and now BetMGM, cool new conglomeration and collaboration by those companies. Sam does a phenomenal job of covering the FCS on a national level. But he was prompted a question on Twitter that said, what if North Dakota State wasn't in the FCS the last 10 years? So North Dakota State, as we know, has won nine of the last 10 FCS national championships. What if they weren't in the FCS? Who would have won the national championship? We'll look at his list and maybe have some interjections, agreements, or disagreements. But first, we have to talk about some business and some sports here on ESPN Radio. Well, what's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. Coming to you a couple days off schedule, but that's okay because it's the summer. I'm here in the Gallagher Business Building, and uh, 
all quiet on the Western <laughs> Front on the way to Studio 49. Yeah, you're, yeah. Usually you're seeing all sorts of kids and people getting coffee downstairs. And there's, I mean, I parked right up front. There was no, That's no right. issues today. So school is officially out at the University Summertime of on campus. Although there is, you know, I, I spoke to a tour that came through the lobby as I was coming in. And then... Um, you know, we got some summer programs on campus, so it's not vacant, but yeah, totally different energy. This is the business angle, overlay between business and sports here on Nuana's Now ESPN Radio. It's brought to you by Blackfoot Communications. On my way over here, I actually, this is just a completely shameless plug, but I swung by Zootown Sports Cards, which is one of my favorite shops in town. But I actually thought this was a good entry point as a business question for you, because <laughs> so often some of the basic business things that you guys teach here at the business school are just basic economics, right? Supply, demand. What makes a good worth money? Sure. You know, what what makes a price sustainable? The price of the trading card industry is one of the craziest business analysis that I can think of. Hmm. Because the pandemic reignited this industry. Yep. That, I totally understand how that happened. Then because it reignited the industry, the industry exploded. And now... You know, I first started going into Zootown Sports Cards. The packs were like a couple bucks. Packs of cards, a couple bucks. Now the packs are triple triple figures, yeah. yet they're busier than ever. Mm-hmm. That's what's crazy. You get, I mean, you could go in there. If you want, you could buy $5,000 box of cards for four or five cards. Oh, yeah. And it, it's never stopped. But I also think from like a business perspective, if you were to teach this to your students, it, it is a great example of if you keep things tangibly rare, it affirms the cost to the consumer almost, right? Like if somebody knows that they could get something that is defined as undeniably one of a kind, that good can be sold for a lot of money. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the heart of economics, right? It's the study of scarcity. And so it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a dollar bill, a trading card, a Bitcoin, a tulip, a piece of real estate. If it is scarce or we perceive it as scarce, you can attach a value to it. And, you know, I think of the term in terms of trading card too, like we've pumped trillions of dollars into the economy and sure, a lot of people yeah. weren't working. And you, right. you look at it like, well, what's the upside to buying Tesla stock at $1,000 a share? How right. much more is it going to run? Right. Maybe I can make a little bit of return on a trading card or some like Dogecoin weird NFT thing. I had never thought of that. There's also the human element of just tangibly being able to hold it. Right? Oh, yeah. You own something. You, you buy a mutual fund or a stock or a bond or whatever. I mean, you can look at it on your phone sure. or your computer, but you can't actually have something where... I think that's one of the biggest draws to memorabilia. You know you're buying something that's an asset that's yeah. worth money, but you also have this nostalgic and or like collector's attachment to it. Right, right. Your Derek Jeter card's worth what it's worth in case you get in a bind and you want to sell it, but you also treasure it because of what it is, not even what it's worth. Yeah, you can have it and hold it and that sort of thing. And you can't do that as much with a digital asset, although an NFT is a mechanism for trying to create that, um, that sort of feeling of ownership or that concept of ownership, really. So fascinating, and uh, you know, I think it's just a—you could almost even teach like an entry-level business class with that as your your uh, your microcosmic sure. example, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because there's global—it's international businesses involved because of the markets in China and mm-hmm. across the globe, and e-commerce. And it, it's fascinating to really think about. Let's talk first and foremost about a, a rehashing of a subject we've talked about before. Yeah. This is actually a theme of the show if you've been listening already today here at Nuana's Now. And I've been talking a lot about track and field lately because I do think track and field, for so many different reasons, is it's not only the sport of the future, it's the sport of the present for so many different uh, tangible elements. But last night, Montana State 
was on ESPN2 for about an hour and a half mm-hmm. because they had two runners in the in the steeplechase at the NCAA Outdoor Championships, and then they had another guy in Drake Schneider in the 400-meter hurdles. And these weren't just uh, guys that were there to, to run in, in the middle of the pack. Duncan Hamilton smoked his heat, and yeah. he got first place. He ran the fastest college time in the country this year. Yep. Drake Schneider ran the, fa- the second-fastest time at the meet. And uh, so this is a lot of, of brand-name recognition, but we were also talking about sort of the opportunity for marketing for universities via these athletes. This was, just from a pure marketing standpoint, a pretty good opportunity for Montana State last night. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think one way to think about um, these sorts of opportunities is using a basic, um, what we call a hierarchy of effects model. So the Ooh, awareness, interest, desire, action. Right. You start with awareness. So the first hurdle for any brand strategy person is to get people aware of your brand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, getting the Montana State uh, singlet jersey on national television in front of a lot of eyeballs is a great opportunity. Right. So that that that, that basic brand awareness hurdle, if you will. I'm sorry. I had to do that. <laughs> um, is uh you know, climbed over by by Montana State in this instance. The other thing, then you sort of transfer to higher order effects like interest. Okay, and mm-hmm. so then it's a little bit more about okay, what sport are we watching? Who's the audience? How are the athletes performing? At performing at a high level? What do the athletes look like? What kind of how do they behave? Are they consistent with our known? What do we know about the state of Montana and, and, and is what's being presented on the track consistent with those preconceived mm-hmm. notions? Are these guys tough? Are they a little wild? Are they a little um, unpredictable? You know, those sorts of you know, right. Montana has some mystique to it, For some sure. grit and some majesty. And so if those athletes are, um, are they, if they're sort of coming across as, as surprisingly tough and strong, that can confirm to the existing brand associations that somebody with no knowledge of Montana State might have about the state itself. Um, and that can sort of push people further down along, and then they want to learn more. They have some sure. desire, and then they take a trip out here. And so it could pay off, in ter- it certainly could pay off in terms of, you know, enrollment and interest in Montana State, whether it's a non-athlete or an athlete, but it could also spin off into all sorts of other benefits. People are more interested in trips here. It gives Montana State an opportunity to run ads and, and get exposure to the audience and tell other stories, not just what's happening on the track. So yeah, a lot of lot of branding opportunities. For sure. And I think that that's why track is such a compelling and interesting deal when it comes to college, the college level, because I think it's, it is the opportunity for athletes to go and make it all the way to the national level. Like Duncan Hamilton, if he wins this steeplechase final tomorrow, he will be the best steeplechase runner in the United States of America at the collegiate level. Mm -hmm. There's no division or conference or anything like that. He will have won it for the nation. Yep. And then all of a sudden you're on, you know, not the ESPN streaming app. You're on ESPN 2 last night. You're going to be on ESPN on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a huge opportunity. They also have RG3, Robert Griffin III, the former Heisman Trophy winner, who is a great track athlete as well. He's been analyzing these things. He was tweeting about Duncan Hamilton last night. What exposure for Montana State there as well. So I just I think that uh, an investment in track can get you a lot of national exposure maybe that uh, maybe that hadn't been considered before. But I, this, was, this was really cool, not only for people that follow Montana State, but for Montanans because this is not only uh, three guys from MSU that are advancing to the finals, but you got two guys – from small town Montana. I mean, like, yeah. one of my friends in Bozeman says, 
Duncan Hamilton, he's the pride of Longfellow Elementary School. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Levi Taylor is from Laurel, Montana, Class A. So uh, that's pretty sweet. That it's a, I guess it's just an opportunity for young kids to see. Like, these, you can dream big, but it's oh, also yeah. an opportunity for the universities to say, these guys can come from anywhere and rise to the absolute height of their uh, their sport. I think that cuts both ways. It's great for the athletes and the people here in Montana to sort of look at it and say, and students, like I tell this to students all the time in our classes, like there's no reason why you can't be the next CEO of Nike sure. or you know do whatever it is. Whatever it is you want to do, there's no reason you can't mm-hmm. go do it. The education you can get here, the education you can get at Montana State can open up those sorts of doors. Now, there's maybe less um, of a tailwind but it's an achievable goal. Sure. And cases like these runners are sort of illustrating that, right? You flip it around to the other side, to the person that doesn't really know much about Montana, looking at it like, well, how, what is it about Bozeman that these kids right. can be successful there? Right. Is it something about the climate, the elevation, the coaching, the classroom opportunity? Like, w- w- these guys are successful. What contributed to that? Yeah. And so that kind of creates some, some more interest. And so, that, yeah, it can provide benefits and, and, and on-ramps and all sorts of opportunities on either side. As, as we led the show with today, too, I also think that it's uh, track. The results are so tangible. So I also think that there's less of a hurdle <laughs> that, yeah. than a lot of high school recruits might have. Because if you run a, a, a four-and-a-half-minute mile in high school, you run a four-and-a-half-minute mile. That's it. Yep. And, in fact, your acceleration when you get out of Montana might be even greater because of weather elements and training sure. elements and all that. Like Troy Anderson at Montana State or Dylan Cook at Montana, these guys have been fighting the uphill battle in football since they were in middle school or high school right. because of level of co- – I mean, Troy Anderson is one of the most supreme athletes I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yet there's still this question, can he compete? Because he's never competed – with pure athletes yeah. to himself. I mean, yeah. Dylan Cook, if you've seen him on campus, he's a mountain. You can't be any bigger than this guy. Yet, can he play? We don't really know. These guys are trying to make their way in the NFL, whereas, you know, this stuff is, if you run it, you run it, and Yeah, that's the it. time is the time. The and, time's you know, the time. There may be as, you know, slight advantages to different track surfaces or weather conditions or whatever, but, yeah, you're putting up those sorts of numbers on the track, then people know that you're legit. 2013 Class AA State Championship, uh, meet in Butte, Montana. It was probably 25 degrees in a sideways snowstorm. I was sitting in the stands and there was a couple college recruiters there, including one from Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And they watched Christina Aragon from Billings Senior break the all-class record in the 3,200 meters and then go run a leg on the mile relay team. She got an offer right there on the spot because the coach was like, I don't even need to see the time. If if you can break an all-class record in any state in these conditions, we watch it. She went on on to be an All-American at Notre Dame. Business Angle here on Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. Justin Angle, professor of business at the University of Montana, joining us. This is presented by Blackfoot Communications. We have uh, had a ongoing discussion about the value of pro sports mm, franchises yeah. as well as the uh, seemingly unbreakable business that is the National Football League. And uh, $4.65 billion is quite a number. That's what the Denver Broncos sold for uh, earlier this week to, uh, I guess, an heir of the Walmart fortune. Yep. So this is this is crazy because this is more than twice as much money as a pro sports franchise or an NFL franchise has ever sold for in the United States. And uh, it makes me want to readdress my question. Is there any limiting factors to the values of these franchises, or is this just going to be exponential growth? Because I think that people would say, okay, Denver is somewhere in the bottom third in terms of market. Yeah. They have passionate fans for yeah. sure, but Denver, the city, is nowhere near 
Washington or Philadelphia sure. or Dallas or Los Angeles or Chicago. So if the Broncos are worth $4.65 million, what's the Cowboys worth, 10 Yeah. I mean, I guess it's worth whatever somebody would pay for it, and that could be limitless. But, I mean, just from a pure business perspective, are there caps and limits here? What could sort of incur the the growth of, of franchise values uh, moving forward? Yeah, I mean, there are caps. Uh, not caps, but there are limits. And I think anytime a market gets so frothy that we start to think that it's has unlimited upside is, sure. is maybe when you should start heading for the exits. <laughs> right. Um, but if you think of the NFL, I mean, it is kind of a risk-free asset in a mm-hmm. way. And I don't want to necessarily get too technical on this, but the way the tax code is written right. is NFL owners and, and professional franchise owners can write off the cost of acquisition. Right. Right. And so they buy this asset that for tax purposes can be treated as an asset that depreciates. So it can it, right. they can depreciate the value of that investment over time, like you would a piece of equipment, a car, factory equipment, like for other businesses, right? Which makes sense. It doesn't make any sense in the case of an asset that actually accrues value at a ridiculous rate. Right. I mean, uh, NFL franchises are up like 180% since 2010. That's a huge return. So they're able to depreciate the asset on their balance sheet, but they are allowed to appreciate it as far as selling. So in some ways, some of these NFL owners have been quoted privately saying this is this is more secure than a U.S. Treasury bond. For sure. Um, and, you know, it's hard to disagree with them. You know, I think outside of that, the business model itself is very good. I mean, these there's there's collusion, yep. right, amongst yep. the owners. They control their costs, right? Their costs are predictable and stable because they have a salary cap. Right. Uh, they are able to leverage their brand value to get cities to subsidize a lot of their costs by building them stadiums. Which is so crazy when you actually think about it. I mean, it, it does enhance the 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 culture of your, sure. of your area. Yeah, but, yeah. but It, it is also pretty, puts a lot of money in billionaires' pockets. No, exactly, right? right? That, that's the craziest part is, you know, you think of, okay, having a, a stadium in downtown Seattle is great for... You know the the city vibes and the yeah. urbanization and all that, but then you're talking about, well, who are we helping pay this for this stadium with? Oh, okay, one of the richest people on the earth. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's the crazy exactly. And so yeah, there's a lot of fundamentals that make the NFL and, and some to some degree other professional franchises just fundamentally strong investments, right? right? Now, to the question of what's the limit, mm-hmm. you know, all of that depends on sustained demand, right? Right. The, the the consumer, the viewer, the fan has to continue to want the product. Right. Um, so to the extent that there is a limit, I think that's where it would exist. Uh, we're coming up, I'll, I'll, we talked before we got on air about a lot of these scandals, whether it's John sure. Gurdon or Deshaun right. Watson or right. Daniel Snyder. Right. I mean, I s- sort of feel like we're testing the limits of what the brand of NFL football can endure, but fans keep coming back. Right, and the fact that these these owners sort of understand that from a financial standpoint, it's a risk-free asset. The only risk they really have to manage is maintaining customer demand. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio, a business angle with Justin Angle here on your radio dial. Also, SWX Montana Television, or maybe you're watching on the ESPN Montana app. Thanks so much for being with us. The uh, the other factor here that's easy to forget is that the vast majority of professional sports owners yeah. are not owning their team 
in the name of making money like a business. That's true. It can be a hobby asset as well. And so, you know, Donald Sterling, for all of his uh, controversial and uh, objectively disgusting ways of operating, he was actually the NBA owner when he owned the Los Angeles Clippers that was trying to run it as a real business for profit with very thin budgets and, you know, slow scaling and not overspending and not paying luxury taxes and all that, well, then the Clippers happened to be the embarrassment of the NBA for 20 years. And Yeah, I mean, I think that th- that analysis, sure, yeah, he's running it lean operationally, but that leads to poor performance, right? So it's pretty clear, like, to run a successful, and when I mean successful, like a winning franchise, um, you got to spend, Right, you got to have good facilities and good coaches, and so yeah, the cutting the cost thing. I agree, Sterling did that, but we, yeah, as you said, we saw it on the court with a, with a sub subpar product. I don't want to get into the details of all of the controversies, but I want to get your perspective from a business planning element. You know, there is there's the John Gruden lawsuit. There's this investigation in Washington about potential fraud. There's also the. Uh, sexual harassment lawsuit against Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Washington Commanders. There's the racial discrimination lawsuit against the Miami Dolphins from Brian Flores and his team. Um, There's been six different attorney generals across the country that have said, you guys better straighten up when it comes to your conduct with women or misconduct with women, else there's going to be severe investigations in that element as well. And then you got Deshaun Watson with now 77, it's up to 77 uh, now. Oh, women, gosh. and we have we have not talked much about that part of it because most of the people listening to this show, you're here for happy fun times and and to learn about <laughs> Montana high school and college athletes more than you know the the logistics of a legal nightmare that is filled with disgusting allegations. All that said, though, it seems as if this is mounting yet from the tip of the tongue and the top of the mind of consumers. If you remind them of all this stuff, they say, oh, yeah. But still, we're talking every day on the radio about who's going to win or lose more games next year, who had the best draft class. It's almost as if the NFL is unimpeachable, and that's a fascinating, if not dangerous, but certainly interesting phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, at its core, it's a good product, right? Like, the, the product's fun to watch. It's entertaining. And so none of these things, unfortunately, undermine the entertainment value of the product. Um However, they create liabilities. They create risks. And I would think that probably at the level of the owners, like they probably are having private conversations about, like, should we throw Snyder over the bus or off the bus, right? And, you know, to the extent that his actions can cause the devaluation of other owners' assets, they probably will make that choice, vote him off the island. Deshaun Watson, same sort of calculus, right? Does this negative press prevent people from coming to the games and watching him play? If it does, then they're going to get rid of him. And it kind of doesn't matter what you do, right? Because mm-hmm. like, is, is what he's doing off the field connected to what he's doing on the field? I mean, you step back and you think, of, of course, like we got to evaluate the whole person. And, and I'm sure these organizations make these trade-offs. They do these cost-benefit analysis where they say, what are the risks associated with signing this person? You know, how high can we go with this contract? What's at risk? With Deshaun Watson, I mean, that's it seems unfathomable to you and me that a franchise would sign a guy like that with that amount of baggage. Um, and baggage is such a poor word to sure, describe the right. awful behavior that we're looking at. But short of him getting locked up through the legal process, I think teams will continue to take a gamble because 
Yeah, because they can. Yeah. And that you just, sounds really cynical to say. It's, but. it's true, though, because I, I think about this all the time. Because as, as a journalist, somebody that reads in depth, I mean, I, I read the entire book of evidence against yeah. Deshaun Watson. I read the entire 5,000-word article in the New York Times about all of it. Read the entire email chain of John Gruden. I've been following this investigation into the Washington football team, now the Washington Commanders. And it's almost as if the NFL has done such an incredible job of separating what happens on Sundays and what happens on every other day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think fans do it, too. For sure. Right, we turn that television on, we go to the game, we suit up, whatever it is, we put the, the, the jersey sure. or sweatshirt go on. To the, and go to the gambling machine, put your money in there yeah, to bet on your teams. everything else. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's crazy. And then I really think about, as you continue to mention, if it seems as if you have an unbreakable business that has no bubble, no ceiling, yep. then maybe that's when you should start to gravitate away. Yet the craziest part is I think we're only scratching the surface with the NFL. Oh, yeah. Because there's so many people still out there. For as big of a phenomenon as it is, there are still so many people out there that don't have good access to it and or haven't been exposed to it and or are not obsessed with it yet. I mean, think about the, the female demographic that could just grow exponentially. Think about there's so many different yeah. elements that could continue to grow. And so then you just wonder, I mean, they have a lot more leeway to use, I think, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I I think they've been pretty creative in maximizing revenue across a bunch of dimensions. I mean, I yeah. feel like there's if there's um, sort of unmet demand out there, yeah, I don't, I, it'd be hard to imagine there being a ton. And the, and the, the thing to balance there is, is, yeah, maybe there's unmet demand out there, but from the existing de- the demand, they can uh, extract more. So they can charge higher prices. They can for tickets. They can raise higher prices for ticket packages and for cable packages and for um, you know merchandise, etc. Maybe that's the better strategy to sort of extract more from your existing customers than it is to go find new customers. Although the two kind of work in complementary ways in this in this instance. A business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications coming to you from Studio Forty Nine down here at the Gallagher Business Building on the University of Montana campus. Justin Angle joining us here on ESPN Radio. All right, last thing for you. This is another subject we've touched on a little bit, but we've had a tipping point now. Mm. The Live Golf Tour is uh, not a speculation, not something that's just getting people uh, blackmailed and and blackballed. It is real. It is here. It is aggressive. And, uh, I mean, if you were to go through and and name the 20 biggest names in golf, they got like seven or eight of them in the last week, including Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson and Patrick Reed and Louis Ustazen and guys that are major championship winners or contenders. It also seems as if the PGA lost a ton of of foothold, not only because these guys jumped ship. They initially threatened to ban these guys from the tour. Now they're only suspended because I think the PGA is just – Tread water. They are scrambling because the PGA does not is not the uh, the administering body of any of the four majors, and the U.S. Open is in two weeks. And they came out and said, "All these guys can still play, especially the ones that are already previously exempt from this event." And so, the the business of this is so fascinating to me because the biggest controversy here is where the money's coming from. Right. The biggest. The biggest um, pawn that the Live Tour has is the money that they're offering. Let's eliminate where the money is coming from. Mm -hmm. 
because I do think that the the live tour is showing how you can make an upstart sports league turn into a legitimate one literally overnight like literally in the in the in the blink of one announcement as soon as Phil Mickelson's deal hit Instagram boom you got 15 other guys following him yeah it, it, I mean you can it is it's a bit of a misnomer sometimes to, to, to run this analysis by ignoring where the money's coming from we can ignore the sort of political dimensions of where the money's coming from but a fundamental piece of this is the money appears to be unlimited Right, because because right. the the source of the money is generating those funds from another source. And another great example of an operation in which they are not concerned with making money with the investment that they're giving. Right. He, he, at this point, it doesn't appear. Although, probably that their move could be to just burn a ton of cash to win the play, to, to to buy the players, and then maybe worry about making money, being profitable down the road. Although we don't know. But now they have the ability to burn a ton of cash. An ability the PGA doesn't have. The PGA is a business. It has to sort of account for profit and loss, whereas the Live Tour only has cost at this point, right? And yeah, down the road they can figure out how they're how they're going to monetize it, but they can outspend the PGA Tour. And when it comes down to it, these athletes, at least the ones they've picked off, appear to uh, be swayed by that argument, right? If so. There's been upstart leagues, particularly in football, mm-hmm. that uh, have, have gone by the wayside. Is the Live Tour giving a model for other competing sports leagues? Or is this just a matter of there has never been a challenger to the PGA and the, this is an individual sport where money sways so much? Yeah, I, I think that's more the latter. You've yeah. got an individual sport that's global. Right. Right? And you've got this... Um, you know, the the four biggest tournaments are not owned by the competitor, right? You said they're independent entities. So the PGA doesn't control the four majors. And so they can't, they don't have the same monopoly power that the NFL or the, you know, it's not like the NFL can all of a sudden has to say like, whoa, if some league comes on and presents a challenger that they can earn a spot in the Super Bowl. Like, that's just not the way the rules work in that league. Same thing for the NBA, uh, the MLB, etc. So, yeah, the fact that it's individual, so you don't have these team dynamics, the fact that they don't own the majors, and, you know, I, th- I think, too, the global aspect is different because the fan base is, is, is spread, it's diffuse. These tournaments are all around, all over the place, so our connection to place is a little bit different. Sure. Um, particularly in these majors outside of the masters move around as well. So sure. yeah, it's just there's some different dynamics that I think create some vulnerability for the PHP, uh, the PGA. Well, it's also just, it's so much easier to grasp some of the top stars and mm-hmm. lure them. If an upstart basketball league began, let's yeah. say the continental basketball association returned and they had uh, mid to high major markets at their disposal where they could actually play games and they lured half of the NBA All-Star team to go play in their league, they would be valid. But that would just be such a huge endeavor, whereas in this sport, they're offering guarantees, which is a huge lure that has never existed before. They're offering twice the purses, and these guys can make the jump without any consequence because they can still play in all of the tournaments that build their legacy, with the exception of the international ones like the Ryder Cup. But other than that, you can still play in the Masters in the U.S. Open. So what is there to lose? It's a risk-free move, and your success is not dependent on other people, right? right. Like, if you're some upstart basketball league trying to pick off, you know, a Steph Curry or something right. like that, like, Who's Steph Curry's going to say, like, who are my, who are my teammates <laughs> right, going to totally. be? Can, 
And so, yeah, just a lot more risk for a, for a team sport athlete. Business Angle every other Tuesday most of the time, but you're listening on a Thursday here on ESPN Radio. Justin Angle, business professor at the University of Montana, joins us every other week here on a Business Angle. It is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. We will have all sorts of more fun content for you throughout the summer. This was a good one, man. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Senior Spotlight rolls on, but first we're going to talk about Sam Herder's latest tweet. We will talk potential or speculative FCS national champions if North Dakota State did not exist. Plus, we got a six-pack and a sandwich from Warden's Market to close out our number one. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Radio. And I'm just talking and I won't do a thing. Really hope so. <clears throat> Lay low, nobody moving till I say so. Limo tent rolling deep like the president. See, I don't go to clubs, I never chase a b- I'm here to bang that gangster b- to the apocalypse. We call it stress, some of y'all call it chocolate. Return of the top dog. It ain't no Underrated track right here. I love me some old school Snoop Dogg. I love Snoop Dogg, the personality and what he's evolved into for sure. But the old school Snoop for sure, probably the Dog Father is my favorite album. I know Doggy Style is like the, you know, popular chic one or whatever. But this uh, this sort of be the middle ground between old school Death Row Records Snoop and, you know, Pharrell, more pop oriented, you know, beautiful songs like that, Snoop. It's the middle ground that is a little underplayed. I love this version of it. It's Nuwaz Now, ESPN Radio, talking some hip-hop with you, like we always do. Thanks for kicking it with us here on your Wednesday. Ian Finch, Missoula Hellgate senior, our latest subject of our senior spotlight. He'll be coming up here in about 10 minutes. And uh, I'm actually just going to give you the premise of this, and then we'll come back to it next hour. Sam Herter of Hero Sports. He does a great job covering the FCS at the national level. And he was tweeting earlier today, somebody asked him a question, if North Dakota State, who's winners of nine of the last ten FCS national championships, had not been in the FCS over the last ten years, who would the national champions have been? And uh, Herder tweets, in 2011 would have been Sam Houston State. I agree with that. That Sam Houston State team was amazing. I watched them live and in person in Huntsville. Watched them just absolutely destroy the Big Sky Conference champion from that year in 2011, Montana State. And uh, they mean they ran that option out of the spread. Like no, I mean, honestly, like almost no team I've ever seen before in college football. And some of their athletes were, were uh, next level with the ball in their hands. So that's a good one. We'll continue to debate all these. But he said Georgia Southern would have won it in 2012. In 13, he says, I don't know because it's crazy that Eastern Washington didn't reach the title game that year. But if they w- would have, it probably would have been them. Interesting. 
Uh, he says Illinois State would have won it in 2014. That was a very good team. Northern Iowa in 2015. 2016, James Madison did win it. That's the only time in the last 10 years that a team other than North Dakota State won it. Then Sam says that James Madison would have won it in 17, 19, and 21 with the other uh, national championship going to South Dakota State in 2018. So I do agree with some of those. The other, I mean, the best team that I've covered uh, in the last 10 years in the Big Sky Conference was the 2016 Eastern Washington Eagles. They lost in the semifinals to Youngstown State of the playoffs that year, though. So even though 16 was the one year NDSU didn't win it, Eastern Washington didn't get a chance to play for the national championship that year, so they're sort of disqualified from this argument. So uh, we're going to talk about this again in segment number, or excuse me, in hour number two. We're going to get out right now. But before we do, how about a free six-pack of beer and a free sandwich from Warden's Market? Each Thursday, we got a free six-pack and a sandwich. You get every any sandwich you want there at Warden's. I had a TBLT the other day. Oh, man, it was good. Turkey, bacon, lettuce, tomato, little Havarti cheese. I get it on a baguette. Mm, scrumptious. They also have one of the great beer selections in all of Missoula. They also have a great wine selection as well. Warren's Market, one of the coolest places to hang out in downtown Missoula. Call us 406-888-1029. We'll go caller number 2, 406-888-1029. Six-pack and a sandwich, courtesy of Warren's Market. Ian Finch, future Grizz, recently graduated Hellgate Night, our next subject on the Senior Spotlight. Keep it right here. You want us now, ESPN Radio. The advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 